What is Chrislam, and do Christians and Jews worship the same God as the Muslims? Welcome, this is the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. All right, welcome back, friends. This is Michael Bohm, and you're listening to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to Sharam Hadian about Chrislam and uh, answering the question, do Christians and Jews worship the same God as the Muslims? Uh, as of late, there's been many attempts from within Christianity to have interfaith dialogue with Muslims, linking arms with uh, with Muslims, and basically declaring, hey, look, we all worship the same God. Okay, is this helpful? Is that true? Is this actually a, a tactic that's effective <laughs> in witnessing to Muslims? All these things and more. Uh, a little bit about Sharam, this guy, uh, very fascinating guy. He was raised in Iran and uh, had to basically escape Iran because of an oppressive Islamic regime. Uh, he founded the Truth in Love Project. His website, tillproject.com, that's T-I-L as in truth in love, project.com. Uh, he is a pastor, speaker. He travels around uh, the United States and Canada and some other places around the world speaking about Islam and teaching about these critical issues concerning Islam. He is definitely an expert in the area of Islam, as well as Sharia. Many people say Sharia law, but that's kind of redundant. Sharia meaning law, so it's like saying law law, but <laughs> be that as it may, uh, Sharam is an expert on Sharia as well. He uh, has experience as a police officer, teacher, coach, uh, servant leader in the community, as well as he was a candidate for the governor of Washington State in 2012. Hey, Sharam, welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Michael, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. The honor is mine. Uh, yeah, friends, just like I was saying at the uh, introduction, Sharam is an expert uh, on Islam, the topic of Islam. Uh, he was uh, raised as somewhat of a Muslim, more of a liberal, non-practicing Muslim. Nonetheless, he knows Islam on the, on the inside and out. And so today, I wanted to talk about this growing movement from within Christianity. Uh, sometimes it's it's referred to as Chrislam, but there is kind of an interfaith di dialogue that's happening as of late where Christians are accepting uh, Muslims into their church. They're having, um, they're entering into spiritual enterprises with Muslims and confusing a lot of people from within the faith about what Islam is and what it's not. So, for example, we did have an incident just recently that's been all over Facebook. Uh, uh, James White had uh, a dialogue with a, a gentleman, Yasser Qadi, who was part of the Muslim Brotherhood 
uh, and had this in a church in front of a lot of people allowed Yasser Qadi to um, spread a lot of lies, basically, and, and teach on Islam. And uh, James White didn't challenge anything that Yasser Qadi said. Uh, there's been a lot of other individuals from within the church, again, who are allowing these types of, of conversations to happen and leaving them unchallenged. So today, yeah, we're going to talk to uh, uh, Sharam Hadian on this subject. So first of all, Sharam, what is Chrislam? Well, Michael, uh, that's a great question. And, um, you know, our ministry, uh, as you mentioned, um, because of my background as a former Muslim, as one who came out of Islam, and, as, and, and now as a pastor, obviously, uh, our ministry is to, to speak the truth and love. That's why our ministry is called the Till Project, the Truth and Love Ministry. And what we're committed to do is obviously to uh, hold steadfast to the Word of God, to the teaching of God, and, and ultimately to the presentation of the Gospel. Well, there are those—well, um, first of all, there, there, there is a Islamic connection uh, or, or, or um, uh, starting point to Islam, actually, because the compromise of the Gospel, the idea that the Gospel itself will be compromised, is nothing new. I mean, we've seen that since— the you know for two thousand years we, we've seen uh, those even the, I mean the Bible warns us about syncretism and 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 in any way blending or mixing um, so so that mm-hmm. in that sense it's not new but recently in the last uh, uh, you know thirty forty years uh, and even recently from that point there has been a movement to this idea of well uh, maybe we can reconcile differences between Islam and Christianity. Now remember, Islam's been around for 1,400 years. Christianity uh, birthed, obviously, over 2,000 years. And, of course, the Bible itself, you know, much, much older than that. So the, the, the controversy there um, is really around the fact that uh, in order to reach Muslims, um, how should we, you know, interact with them? And... Uh, you know, any of us would say who were standing on the word of God, the gospel, as Paul says in Romans 1, uh, verse 14 to 16, the gospel is, uh, you know, the power of God for salvation. This is how God manifests his power in uh, saving us and bringing us to saving knowledge. This is the power. You know, God doesn't need our help to, to redefine the gospel. He's already presented the gospel. We're supposed to simply carry it. Well, those in Chris Long would say, let's focus on our similarities. Let's focus on our common ground. Let's, let's find ways to build bridges. And, these, and by the way, these are terms that are used right. very, very I, I'm, I'm using those terms very strategically and carefully because this is, I hear ad nauseum from missionaries, from missional groups, from, from interfaith groups and, and so forth and so on. And uh, there are various degrees of Chrislam. There, there are the, the most obvious is those who say, "Well, we believe that Muslims and Christians and Jews worship the same God. It's all the same God." That's the most obvious. Yep. That that's hopefully, you know, anybody listening to your podcast would go, "Well, that's wrong. Obviously, it's not the same God." But so, but then there's other other subtleties. And, and actually, we have a presentation that I've done on DVD, which is called Chrislam Exposed. And it's available on our website at uh, tilproject.com. And the DVD is very important because it, it, it not only goes through these areas, but it, it teaches Christians how to refute it. 
So it's not enough just for us to know, well, it's wrong, but how do we refute it? And what I point yeah. out in the DVD is that there's, there's more subtle aspects of Chrislam. And the number one subtle, subtlety uh, of Chrislam is this, what's called the common word movement. Uh, this is an idea that, well, the Bible and the Quran have some common ground. They have some similar stories. There's a foundation there. If we can just sit down with Muslims and find that common ground, you see, there you go, bingo, bongo, they'll get saved. And, Michael, I can't tell you how flawed that is. Because, first of all, in my own testimony, there was nothing, nothing of the Lord showing me commonality. Nothing. In fact, the Lord very clearly compared, contrasted, Sharam, uh, you, 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 this is your, this is what you grew up in. This is Islam. You know that this is not true. Once, and, and of course, that came about once the gospel was preached to me. Once I heard the gospel and the message of the Bible, I knew 100% that these were absolute opposites, and there was nothing there. So I know as we go through the program. We're going to talk about different aspects, but the common word movement, and actually there was a whole document that was signed and so forth and so on back in 2008, yeah. that common word movement, Michael, in my opinion, has been probably the greatest catalyst for this interfaith ecumenical dialogue in the last, I would say, 10 years. Um, so, so, you know, you're right, you're absolutely right on to be able to make sure that we are uh, you know, equipping believers and especially the youth, especially the next generation who are going to be bombarded with this ecumenicalism, you know, uh, let's have right, respect right. for all religion and so forth and so on. So anyway, it, I know we'll talk about it more, but that's kind of a foundation of Chrislam. There's various degrees. Some are more subtle. Some are more obvious. Ultimately, uh, what I what, and you mentioned this whole thing with James White and and Yasser Khadi, and I was on with Brandon House and Worldview Weekend, and 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 we we, we did multiple radio shows, did, did, did four TV shows, trying to expose, and it's still ongoing. Yeah, right. This this quote unquote dialogue that happened the first one in a church. Why? It is so dangerous, and, and I know we'll talk about that as we go. Okay, so you know, and I, I'm trying to understand why these different churches would uh, want to talk about similarities. See, now when I'm out witnessing, one of the things when, when somebody brings up a question, or I'm coming against a particular worldview. Uh, let's say I'm talking to a Catholic. Sure, I, I will start with similarities. And, and that's fine. You actually build some common ground with them, but you can't stop there. Because if you stop there, see, it's in the distinctions, the differences where, uh, I don't, I don't want to say the devil's in the details because that's probably <laughs> right. doesn't work for what I'm trying to say here. But, but it's in those distinctions, those differences where the truth comes out. You know, yeah, we have a lot of similarities between uh, uh, biblical, biblical Christianity and uh, Catholicism, but it's in the distinctions. What is their gospel? How, how is a Catholic to be saved? And you, you start studying what their uh, catechism of the Catholic Church teaches, and you come to find out that it's in following 
the, the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. It's by doing the sacraments. It's by uh, building up your meritorious work so you can skip out on something called purgatory and all of these different distinctions. And hey, you can even wear a little brown scapular under your shirt, which is a get out, get out of jail free card. If you die with it on, you get to get right on past purgatory and straight to heaven. You know, all these distinctions, that's where the conversation needs to happen. And so to just gloss over it and say, hey, we're, we're, we all have the same Abrahamic foundation, so let's sit down and sing Kumbaya and talk about how much we're all the same. Well, that leads everybody to believe, hey, there's no reason to convert. There's no reason to trust in Christ. There's no reason to believe Christ is even God. And hey, you know, they, as far as Islam is concerned, they don't even think Christ was crucified on the cross, let alone rose again. So it, it really is a, a travesty to only talk about what we have in common and then leave unchallenged the distinctions, the, the real issues at hand that need to be talked about. Uh, right. And sorry, Michael, I think I might have just got on your soapbox. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I 100% agree. And Michael, what's interesting is, is that uh, I, I historically within you know my time as a Christian, just over 18 years, I don't have a problem with a Christian sitting with a Muslim and saying we're going to debate and, and we're going to we're going to say here you know uh, let's find a neutral site um, and and let's uh, present uh, here's my worldview here's your worldview and, and let's uh, make a case uh, okay uh, now obviously yeah. there's got to be you know an end goal because if if the end goal is just simply a debate that I'm not trying to ultimately win someone to Christ uh, I, I'm just I just want to argue mm -hmm. and I don't think that is a uh, you know is, is a biblical um, uh, you know um, goal to to have because ultimately yeah. our heart is to yeah. pray people and and see them come into the kingdom and see them come to Christ. But when you start and and in the case of this situation that is going on with this uh, uh, self-identified because I didn't actually before this this controversy I personally didn't know who James White was. I, others did, but I didn't because. He's, I think, very, very, very well known in the reform movement, but I didn't. But the more I watched his videos online, the more I, I listened to him. He is a self-proclaimed apologist, Christian apologist, and he sort of thrives on debating. Um, but he was very clearly saying that this is not a debate. This is a dialogue. And the moment we get into dialogue, by nature, we have to not refute each other because, uh, well, that's not nice. And we want a dialogue. And to your point, uh, you're absolutely right that there are, in some instances, common ground that we can find. Obviously, with Catholics, um, there may be a few more aspects of common ground that we could find than maybe with a Satanist. If I'm talking to someone who says, I believe in Satanic worship, there's probably not a lot of common ground that I'm going to find with them. So I just <laughs> need to then move past that and go to sharing the gospel, you know, sharing the truth. Um, with a Mormon, let's say. Uh, there, there may be a, some concepts, uh, hey, you guys believe in family, and you guys believe in community, and you guys believe in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, and, and so, so it, it, it is with Islam. Uh, the, there may be some basic things that I can understand. Uh, well, you guys believe that there's only one God. Uh, you believe, you know, uh, uh, that there was revelation given, and so forth and so on. But, but, but with every system, I have to evaluate, uh, I have to be careful not to try to 
build these bridges when one side of the bridge is sinking sand and the other side of the bridge is solid rock. You know, you're trying to go from the gospel to uh, the sinking sand. So, so what I do with Muslims mm-hmm. is, is I may point something out about what they believe in the Quran, but I don't leave it there. I then bring them to the Bible and say, but here's what the Bible says, and here's what, who Jesus is. And that didn't happen in this particular environment. And oftentimes with Chris Long, the whole point of the, if people want to either get the DVD or look it up themselves, they can Google or, or do, a, do an internet search for the common word movement or the common word document. And they'll see the initial thrust of this was actually started by the Muslims. 138 Muslim scholars wrote a letter back into that late 2006, 2007, to the quote-unquote Christian community, saying, we believe, and, and that it was called, a common word between us and you. That's what the title of it was. And we believe that we have a common word. We believe that we can reconcile our differences. And remember, Islam has been around for 1,400 years and has been killing uh, uh, non-Muslims, including Christians and Jews, for 1,400 years. So the reconciliation hasn't worked very well, right? For 1400 years, it hasn't just, you know, it, it didn't, you know, hasn't really produced much good fruit. Now, all of a sudden in 2008, 2007, now all of a sudden we can find reconciliation. You know, this is according to this letter. So they write this letter, they put it out there, they put verses from the Quran and verses from the Bible, although the verses from the Quran were whitewashed, and <clears throat> they make the argument to the Christian look, let's put aside our differences, find common ground. Oh, by the way, you need to apologize to us for a couple things. You need to apologize to us for the Crusades, and you need to apologize to us for the war on terror. And I'm not making this up. This is actually in the document. Now, here's the interesting thing, because there, you got to do some homework. So I looked at the document and said, first of all, where did this phraseology, a common word between us and you, come from? Oh, Interestingly, it comes from Surah 364. It comes from a verse in the Quran where the God of the Quran, the God of Islam, who they name Allah, says, O people of the book. So whenever the Quran says, O people of the book or people of the scriptures, it's specifically talking to Christians and Jews. Specifically. O people, it's like saying, O people of the Bible. O people of the book. Come to a common word between us and you. And so you go, well, look at that. The Quran is ecumenical. The Quran believes in interfaith dialogue. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to read the rest of the verse, <laughs> right? You know, don't we learn that in good exegesis? Don't take anything out of context, yes, right? Sir. So the rest of the verse says, come to a common word between us and you, so that we have no... Uh, uh, we, we, we worship no other God but Allah, and that we associate no partners with him. So we, we worship none but Allah, and we associate no partners with him. So what is that saying? That's saying, you people of the book, you have believed that there is a trinity, three gods, which is what Muslims think we believe, and we're telling you, come to a common word discussion 
so that we can correct you. This gets Michael to the heart of the Quran. What is the Quran? The Quran is revelation, according to Muhammad, their prophet, that is supposed to be the final revelation given to him. That refutes and says, this is what it says. It says the Jews corrupted the Torah, that Allah sent messengers, Muslim prophets like Abraham and Moses. They corrupted the Torah. Then Allah mm-hmm. sent Jesus as the sixth prophet to the, to the Christians. But then they corrupted the Gospels. And finally, he's got to send Muhammad to fix everybody and get it all right. And how did the Christians corrupt the Gospels? Well, you know, those pesky details like Jesus is God. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus is crucified. Jesus is resurrected. You know, other than that, we have common word. You go, uh, uh, hold on, time out. Wait a second. If we lose those things, do we have a gospel? <laughs> do, we, do, do we have a Bible? Do we, you know, isn't that the crux? Isn't that the, the, the center of Christianity? Jesus, Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. He is the Messiah. I mean, come on. So, so the Surah 364 passage is basically trying to correct Christians and Jews. So this is how, now, here's the second thing I looked at. The second thing, who signed it? Who's behind the document? A third of the signatories are members of the Global Muslim Brotherhood uh, Network, including Nihadawad, who is the founder and head of CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. You have members of ISNA, ICNA. You have members of the the Islamic uh, uh, Jurisprudence Councils, which are connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, connected to Saudi Arabia. You have the who's who's of jihadists signing putting together this, 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 this letter, which in 2008, Yale, at their Center for Faith and Education, responds back and says, yes, 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 absolutely, we agree. We have a common word, and we have a common love of God, and common love of neighbor. And oh, by the way, we ask the all-merciful one for forgiveness. <laughs> and you go, wait a second, is there anywhere in the Bible that it uses that terminology, that phraseology for God? Nope, it doesn't. God is a God of mercy, never no. but in the Quran, it's all over the place for Allah. Allah is the all-merciful one. So the Christian apologized to the God of Islam, and they signed the document. Hundreds of Christian leaders signed this hmm. document saying, we indeed agree that we have a common word between the Bible and the Quran, and we have a common love of God and common love of neighbor. Even though the abrogated verse of the Quran, by the way, this is all in our DVD. Even though the abrogated verse of the Quran very clearly say that Muslims do not take Jews and Christians as friends. If you do, you become one of them. You become shirk. You become a polytheist. So while Muhammad in the early verse permits uh, Muslims to befriend Jews and Christians, that's because they were in the minority. When they get once they get the upper hand and it's abrogated, no, 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 don't take them because if you do, you become one of them. So there is no common love of neighbor. And also, one other interesting point, nowhere in the Quran does it say Allah is a God of love. Nowhere. There's not one passage in the Quran. It says he's merciful, he's compassionate. It never says Allah is a God of love. So Christians sign it. People like Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, Robert Schuller, Lee Anderson, um, 
you know, the Jim Wall. I mean, I mean, all these neo-evangelical, you know, ecumenical folks. And from that point, Michael, we then started really going down an avalanche into this idea of now ecumenical interfaith dialogue, because it's opened the door for churches to say, let's have these interfaith. Sunday, this is back, by the way, 2011, we saw hundreds of churches. We're going to have interfaith uh, Sundays. We're going to... Uh, uh, begin to teach about Islam. We're gonna and 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 if you wonder why churches are bringing imams into the churches, it's because of this. Because this is part of the whole plan. The 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 it's the Christians that got duped by the Muslims because the Muslims started the whole initiative, and the whole purpose was to get into the churches. The whole purpose was to get into the churches and to deceive the Christians by saying, "Oh look, we worship the same God. Oh look, we." We, 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 we believe in Jesus, too. We just have some minor differences. Not according to the Quran. According to the Quran, as you said, Jesus wasn't even crucified. Is that a minor difference, or is that the difference? You know, so that's the crux of it. Sorry I took so long to explain that, but it's really important. <laughs> it's so important for people to understand um, how deceptive this is. And if you don't do your homework and you just look at it on face value, you think, oh, it's so nice. You know, we get to just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But, but, but if we don't know what the, what the motivation and the intent is, the whole purpose of the common word movement is to destroy Christianity. That's it. Well, and, and that's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, you, you brought up... Uh... You know, the, the Quran never refers to uh, Allah as a loving God. It does refer to him as the great deceiver, correct? It does. And what's interesting is that where it it refers to Allah, the, the word in the Arabic is um, the word for, de- for, de- for deception is the Arabic word makra. Um, and, and so it uses the phraseology as Allah kairul. Makrim. And in Arabic, that means Allah. Kairu means the highest or the chief of. Makrim means deceiver. You know, deception, deceiver. So Allah is the chief of the deceivers. He's the highest deceiver. But the context, this is important. Where is it mentioned that? What, what is it talking about? The context in Surah 3 is referring to Surah 4. Surah 4, 157, is where the Quran says, that Jesus, the son of Mary, was not crucified for a surety it did not happen, that it was made to appear, and they believed that Judas was put uh, on the cross, and his face looked like Jesus, but it wasn't Jesus. Uh, Allah took Jesus to heaven, and he's coming back as a prophet and as a sidekick to their Messiah. Surah 3 says, <sighs> when it says Allah Kairu Makreen, it's talking about the deception of the cross. So it's saying Allah is the chief of the deceivers because they thought they were going to deceive him. But no, no, no. He pulled the deception and the, cro- the cross never happened. So think about that. Would we not be able to say fairly? Is this not a fair statement that if the cross did not happen, isn't that the greatest hoax in human history? Wouldn't that be classified as the greatest lie? How many billions of Christians has there been? Since the inception of the gospel 2,000 years ago, how many billions of Christians have put their faith and trust in the cross 
in the resurrection, in Christ, as the Messiah, if it did not happen, would that not be the biggest hoax in human history? And that's the reference, Michael, to Allah being the greatest deceiver. The Muslims are laughing at us Christians by saying, you guys have believed the greatest deception in human history. Cross never happened. Oh, and by the way, Muhammad said, when Jesus comes back as a prophet, he says in Sahih Bukhari, he's going to destroy the cross. And you go, well, what? why would he destroy the cross? Because it never happened. Does that make sense, right? It never To them, it never happened. Mm-hmm. He's going to kill the pigs, and that's not little swine animals. That is consistent terminology in the Quran for the Jews. The Quran is the only book of the major, quote-unquote, monotheistic religions that calls Jews apes, pigs, monkeys, and says, Muhammad says, that they're going to be annihilated. They're going to be killed. So he just destroys the cross. He um, kills all the pigs, which means that, that Jesus, think about this, and their understanding, the Jewish Jesus is going to lead an army and kill all the Jews upon his return. And then he's going to abolish the jizya, which means that there's this tax that you have to pay when you're second class. Well, that's not going to be needed anymore because there won't be any second yeah, class citizens. Either everybody will convert or they'll all be killed. Or you die. know what I'm saying? So this is, mm-hmm. this is Islam. And, 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 and this notion from James White that we were having this, this ongoing, uh, you know, we're trying to expose this, is because he invited this imam, Yasser Qadi, who is connected very clearly to the Muslim Brotherhood, very clearly. He, he spoke at CARE events, he spoke at ISNA events, he had an uh, imam that he brought in for, their, uh, for a fundraising event for their Islamic school in Tennessee, Siraj Wahaj, who was... Uh, top five Muslim Brotherhood operatives in the United States. Um, he's routinely, he's part of AMJA, which is the American Muslim Jurisprudence Association, tied to the Muslim Brotherhood. I can go on and on and on. And, and on this on program with Brandon, you know, we've exposed all this. This is the guy that James White brings in. And then says in this video, as you remember, that he says, I sense a kindred spirit with this man. He says in one part of the video, he says that, that Yasser Qadi has been his mentor when it comes to the issue of the hadith, the, the, some certain aspects of understanding Islam. He calls him his mentor. Another part of the video, and remember, this is all happening in the church, by the way, just FYI. Another part of the video, he says that he wants Yasser Qadi to do a video for Christians, for Christians, so they can understand Islam better. Yeah. Uh, that, that's like saying uh, I'm going to ask a Nazi to make a make a propaganda video so I can better understand Nazism. Uh, no, thank you. I don't want to understand sure. Nazism better. I under, understand Nazism, and I don't need an Islamic jihad uh, or jihadi uh, imam who is deceptive and tied to the Muslim Brotherhood to make a vi- so. You see what I'm saying? This is what interfaith dialogue does. When those who get into it, it's as if they start losing their minds. And the common word movement and document is just the beginning of, of it. Uh, now, uh, well, let me turn it back to you. But now, maybe also, if we have time, we can talk about this whole Abrahamic faith, which is part of this Islamic movement as well. 
Oh yeah, go for it. Go for it. Well, because I'm sorry, I didn't want to monopolize the whole time. Uh, uh, the the, <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, I, I know you have a, you know, just a huge, huge heart, obviously for the youth and for youth apologetics, and which I so appreciate. And and one of the things that 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 uh, is happening, and this is happening particularly within the millennial crowd as well, uh, is there is a movement to sort of um, claim that Islam is an Abrahamic faith. So that so the idea now is, okay, well, we can go to Muslims and say, look, we are all of an Abrahamic faith. Uh, we all come from the same root, uh, but we have some differences. And if we can just put aside our differences and, and find common ground, we'll be good to go. And as you said at the beginning, it should be the opposite, right? If there is any common ground, talk about it, move on, and get to the differences. <laughs> because it's the differences that define us. It's the differences that are going to be able to rescue them from Islam, as somebody did with me. And before we went on air, I, I shared with you, can you imagine if 18 years ago somebody had just said, well, you know, Sharam, you're a Muslim, I'm a Christian, uh, we basically believe in the same God. We both are Abrahamic. We just have some differences. And and I'm going, well, okay, so therefore, why are you even talking to me? Uh, why would I convert to Christianity um, if I'm already worshiping the right God? But you know what, Michael? That's not, that's not yeah, what God right. showed me. God showed me that you're not worshiping the right God. You're worshiping a false God. That's what God showed me. God showed me that Islam is a lie. That's what God showed me. So for me to believe this interfaith nonsense, I have to deny my own testimony. So there's my number one problem. Number two, the the the, the reason Islam is not Abrahamic, and very, I'll try to make it as quick as possible, three, three reasons, and it should be hopefully easy to understand. Number one, common sense. Islam was not around during the time of Abraham. Remember, Islam is a religion. It, it, it's actually a religious term. Islam, from the Arabic word, means one who is surrendered, to Allah, ultimately, it is a religious connotation. So last time I checked, Islam did not begin till uh, when Muhammad was born, which he, he claims he got the revelation in his 20s. So we're talking about 592 approximately A.D. Uh, when was Abraham? Right? We're talking about uh, 1500 plus, right, B.C. approximately, uh, if, not, if not further back. So we, we have a bit of a problem. There's a bit of a time gap. There was no Islam. Number two. While it is true that Arabs are descendants of Ishmael, Arabs, uh, and, and of course there are many mm -hmm. Arabs in the world, uh, we have two problems. Number one, 80% of Muslims in the world today are not Arabs. They are from other backgrounds, but they're not Arabs. They converted to Islam. They're not Arabs. A, a lot of this has come through conquest because Islam con conquered Africa and the Middle East and, and, and even areas that, like Syria that were, were Christian. Right? Syria was a Christian region before the uh, birth of Islam. So most Muslims in the world are not Arabs. And are there not Arabs that are not Muslims? Are there not, are there not uh, Christian Arabs? The answer is yes. Are there not Jewish Arabs? The answer is yes. I just came back from Israel. I testified to that. There were Jewish Arabs. There are Christian Arabs. And there are Muslim Arabs. And, and there are Arabs who are, are probably agnostic. So just by definition of being an Arab, you're not a Muslim. So that's one and two. But those may not be compelling enough for most people. They go, oh, Sharam, yeah, okay, you know, maybe I get it. Here's the third and most compelling reason. <laughs> where the Pope is wrong, anybody that uses this terminology is an error, 
Unfortunately, even President Trump recently used this terminology when he was in Saudi Arabia, this whole Abrahamic faith. Islam teaches, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, the Bible teaches, Michael, who's the legitimate covenant son of Abraham, according to the Bible? Right? It's Isaac. Right? Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Very clear, right? That we're, we're told in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that the covenant that, that, that Yahweh made was with Abraham's son Isaac. And who is going to be sacrificed? Isaac, right? I mean, that, that, that should be that's that's Christianity one on one, right? I mean, hopefully, there's no argument in that. Um, and, and 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 where was he going to be sacrificed? The Bible says Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. Now, that's right. Let's look at the Quran. The Quran comes along. Remember, 600 years later, 600 years after Christ has come on the earth. Okay. So we've had, for hundreds of years, they've had the Old Testament, right? They've had that Old Testament writing. Then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on to earth. We now have New Testament writings within, the, within uh, you know, 30, 40 years of his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, within 100 years, we have the entire New Testament, right? So, well, within, well actually, I can say, within the, within the, the, by the end of the first century, we have the entire uh, New Testament, because... Uh, even the late date of uh, 95, 96 AD for the Revelation, the book of Revelation. So within, by 85, 80, 95, 96, we have New Testament. Okay, now, Islam shows up and says, nope, 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 the Bible is corrupted, the gospel is corrupted, as I already mentioned, and the legitimate son of Abraham was Ishmael. Ishmael was the one who uh, Allah made the covenant with, and Ishmael was the one who was going to be sacrificed, and oh, by the way, it was in Mecca. Not in Mount Moriah, in Mecca. Well, okay, we have a problem. We have a little geography. That, that's a little bit. That's a little bit of a. That's walk. a little bit of a walk. About a nine hundred mile walk. I actually googled it. About a nine hundred mile difference. That's a bit of a walk back then, you know. So we have a problem. We have the wrong sun, wrong covenant, wrong location. So here's my question, and, and you tell me if this is common sense or not. How can they both be Abrahamic if one covenant contradicts the other co- covenant is that a fair they just simply it just can't. simply can't right i mean logic we're, we you and i are using our logic and it seems like a lot of these christians that want to get into this wonderful sounding oh we all worship you know as the pope you know uh, the, the the three abrahamic faiths no no judaism and christianity yes they are abrahamic no doubt because as christians we know we're grafted in to the tree to the to, to the to the roots of the tree. There, we have Jewish roots. Not so for Muslims. A quick little rabbit trail. I'm curious. I, I really don't know this. Um, so we see in the Bible uh, the situation with Abraham and Isaac, and it, it's pointing towards Christ, Mount Moriah most likely being exactly where the cross ended up being a couple thousand years later. Um, we've got Abraham giving his only son, uh, as a sacrifice, and then of course God shows up, and it turns out, you know, God will provide Himself a lamb, you know, and and uh, there's that ram in the thicket. But this whole thing is pointing towards Christ. How is that story changed, or is it changed at all, other than the fact that rather than Isaac, we have Ishmael? Uh, very good, because the covenant that the Quran speaks of is not the same covenant. The covenant that the Bible talks yeah. about is a covenant of the Messiah. Because we know, as you just said very poignantly, very beautifully, that everything in the 
uh, account of of Ishmael. Uh, of, forgive me. Sorry, we were talking about Ishmael of Isaac uh, <laughs> that who was going to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah. Everything was a type, right? Was a type of Christ. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned it, and, and I even talked about this that the thorn of uh, the crown of thorns. That we get this idea that you know they crafted some wonderful ornate. Uh, crown for Jesus on before they put him on the cross. The fact that the, the crucifixion, the trial, everything was hastily done. And, and, and it was, you know, mm-hmm. overnight. So they wouldn't have had time to go, you know, or, you know, uh, do a, a order on Amazon. Hey, let's, let's order in a, a nice, beautiful crown of thorns. They would have found thickets and, 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 and just very hastily uh, put something together and, and put it on top of you know, the head of the Messiah. Well, what's interesting is the ram was caught in the thickets. And so even that is a That's type right. that the ram's head being caught in the thicket was the type of Jesus with the crown of thorns, because more than likely from that region, they would have found for it to be that sharp would have been thickets. It would have been that. If you ever, you know, people can do this, go, go look up a picture online of thickets and look what it looks like. Uh, it, it, so, it, you know, sharp thorns. So my point is, and you've already said it, all of that description in the Bible isn't just a description of, of, of the Abrahamic covenant. It's ultimately a type for the coming of the Messiah. So the Quranic definition doesn't give that definition. It doesn't talk about a coming Messiah. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form describe a, a type. It is simply saying that this was going to happen, and Abraham, uh, by faith, uh, uh, you know, was going to sacrifice Isaac or Ishmael, and 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 that Allah stops him. But it doesn't say anything about Allah providing a, a, a sacrifice, a Messiah, anything like that. So the concept of, of a Messiah is not within Islam, even though there are a couple of references in the Quran that uses the term Messiah. Uh, they just they they, they they stole that 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 was stolen from from the, the Old Testament. Um, they, don't, they don't have a concept of a, of a Savior Messiah. So here's, here's the thing. If Islam is correct, and it was Ishmael and not Isaac, then you destroy the line of the Messiah. So the seed of the coming Messiah right. is destroyed. You have no Messiah. And isn't that what the point of Islam is? Islam's point is to come and refute Jesus is not God. Jesus never came in the flesh. Allah has no son. Uh, in fact, the Quranic mm-hmm. verses, far be it from the glory of Allah that we would have a son. Uh, and Jesus was never crucified. Well, wait a second. The Quran just utterly ripped apart Christianity. It just, and, 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 and the Bible says in 1 John 2, 1 John 4, that if you see one or a spirit that comes, denies Christ has come in the flesh, denies that he is the Christ, it denies the Father, it denies the Son. This is the spirit of Antichrist. That's what First John says. The only reference in the entire Bible to the term Antichrist. So my question is, shouldn't we be able to look at that and go, well, wait, hold, on, hold on, Islam perfectly fits the definition of an antichrist spirit, its very purpose, its very revelation, is to refute Christianity, is to refute the Trinity, and if you destroy the Abrahamic covenant through Isaac, 
you have no Messiah. There's no Messiah, there's no lineage. And isn't that what Satan has wanted to do, Michael, since the garden? Isn't that what Satan has wanted to do? That that, That God prophesied to Satan, you will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but he will crush your head? Because from the onset of the very first messianic prophecy in Genesis 3.15, after the fall of man, God spoke about the coming Messiah. Satan, since that time, not knowing God's exact timing, has done what? Has tried to kill the firstborn. The, you know, with, with you have the example with Moses. You obviously have the example in New Testament with Herod, because you know Satan has some knowledge, but obviously Satan is not God. Is not omnipotent. Is not omniscient. So therefore, he doesn't know the exact knowledge. And isn't that what Satan has tried to do, is destroy the, the seed of the woman and destroy the lineage of the Messiah? And come up, along comes Islam, 1,400 years, has been teaching this. And what are we doing today? We're saying, oh, look, we have common ground. Let's have interfaith dialogue. And, 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 and by the way, I just pulled up a couple of verses in the Bible that I wanted to share, because if someone's saying, well, Sharam, you know, back up, back it up, back it up with the word of God. Why is this wrong? Well, Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen, very clearly it says, um, and I'm reading here out of the New King James Version, just you know, um, because it's what's in front of me. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? So we believe that someone like James White, there you go. or other examples that you know we can give, or any of this interfaith dialogue. Rick Warren, Bill Hybels. That's yeah. right. It is a violation of 2 Corinthians 6.14. 1 Corinthians 10.21 says this. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible now. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So, And then it says in verse 22, are we trying to provoke the Lord to jealousy? Whoa. So wait a second now. Mm-hmm. Paul is saying if you do this, you're provoking the Lord to jealousy. My God, my God, I would never want to provoke you to jealousy. Why on earth, Michael, are these people doing this? Because they have decided, like James White, well, it's the only way. How else am I going to reach these Muslims? What? Mr. White, have Muslims not been saved before? Has the gospel not been preached to Muslims before? It's not the first time that Muslims... So, so this is a doctrine of man? This is a doctrine of demons? It's not a doctrine of God, because the Lord tells us very clearly, do not partake in an unrighteous spiritual enterprise. And so, all, and I said publicly, and I say it in the DVD, Michael, the likes of Rick Warren and Bill Hyde, you know, all those people that signed the Common Word document, I believe they violated 2 Corinthians 6.14, they violated 1 Corinthians 10.21, they refused to recognize 1 John 2, 1 John 4, they have covenanted themselves with the Antichrist spirit, and they need to repent. And I can't tell you how many Christians chastise me for simply saying Rick Warren should repent. How dare you criticize Pastor Warren? Don't you know all the good things he's done? So now are we at a point where if, some, if, if Christians have done good things before, that they're, they're immune? They're immune from any criticism? They're immune from any correction? Criticism is not the right word. Any correction? Is that where we're at? And that's, that's the, 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 by the way, the supporters of James White, Michael, that's what they've been saying to us. They've been chastising us. But don't you realize all the good things that James White has done? 
Don't you realize he's gone and debated Muslims in the mosque before? And Well, maybe he has done some good things and he's said some good things, but it doesn't mean that any of us are at the point where we're infallible or above reproach or above correction, right? Isn't that humility? So that's right. the point is, is that you can point out to these people, look, you're violating scripture. This is not the way to do it. Chris Long ultimately is a compromise of three things. One, you're denying Muslims from hearing the true gospel. If I say to a Muslim, you have an Abrahamic faith, you believe in the right God, you just have to tweak your understanding a little bit. I'm denying them, I'm not giving them the true gospel, I'm perverting the gospel, so it's denying them the opportunity to really receive Christ and, and not go to hell, if we still believe in hell. Uh, which, according to George Barna, most Christians don't. The majority of Christians today in America don't believe mm. in a literal hell. Number two, you're going to confuse Christians. There's going to be uh, baby Christians, yes. there's going to be young Christians, there's going to be young people, uh, youth, our youth, the next generation, that are going to get confused because they're going to, they're, we know, a matter of fact, that most Christians have very surface knowledge of the Bible. Throw, that, throw into the mix now deception about Islam and the Quran. Guess what? I, I predict, and it's not a prediction per se of, like, I'm prophesying or anything like that, that I believe in prophet. What I'm saying is I, I predict based on evidence and based on past pattern history, that more than likely either those Christians will suffer in their faith, be lukewarm, or some of them will fall away. Some of them could even fall away. And number three, number three, mm -hmm. the third thing that I have witnessed happen is those Christians who begin to go down this road, like James White, of defending Islam, of actually becoming apologists really for Islam, uh, uh, they turn on Israel. I've seen it time and time and time again. They start becoming pro-Muslim, pro-Islam, and they start, all of a sudden, they start turning on Israel. And they start turning on the covenantal relationship and calling of God with Israel, with the Jewish people. So these are, this is very dangerous. Uh, Chris-Islam is uh, heresy. Chris-Islam, in, ver in various forms, is anything from false teaching to full-on heresy and apostasy. Um, and... I believe, personally, part of our ministry, it is our duty, it is my duty, it is our duty um, to make sure that we do everything we can to bring correction, to bring a rebuke even if necessary, because, Michael, I don't, I mean, I know you feel the same way. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart before the Lord, and I want to make sure that their, mm. bl their blood or their salvation, their eternity is not on my head, because I have warned them. I have, you know, tried to reason. I've tried to, I've, I've, I've tried to be compelling. I've tried to be patient, um, and, and which is why Brandon Helms and I and Osama Datduck and others have spent so many radio shows. And so, because if, if it wasn't James White, if it was Rick Warren who had an imam in his church, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, ah, I knew that was coming, but based on you know pattern of behavior. If it was you know, somebody else that was already in the throes of apostasy. But when you have someone like James White, who has been a defender of the Word of God, and self-professed apologist for Christianity, and has done some good things, you know, give credit where credit is due, um, that's why it's 
that much more important for us to continue to try to fight for, and when I say fight, I'm not saying fight for the, for the sake of fighting. I mean fight for the faith. Fight mm-hmm. for Christians who are going to be hearing this. And, and it's painful. It's painful because I know it hurts Christians to see Christians fighting with other Christians or debating other Christians. But we must do it. We must do it. We must call out false teaching for the sake. If James White won't repent, and he hasn't to this point, then my duty is to warn, warn anybody that follows James White or will listen to James White because I'm worried about their faith and their journey with Christ. I hope that makes sense. So, uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And so <clears throat> we've seen that Chris Lam is dangerous. We've seen that a lot of these churches are inviting these people in to speak for Islam, and they're not challenging it. You know, again, you know, the Bible talks about people not inviting those who bring another gospel into your house. And it's not so much inviting them into your house as, you know, during New Testament times, the churches were the houses. And by inviting these people in, you were um, expressing kind of a, 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 a religious solidarity with them if you will i don't know if i chose right you did, words, you but you're you're putting it you're, you're putting an endorsement on their message and when these churches they bring in these these islamic speakers they let them speak you have a common word and everybody just gets along you're also putting an endorsement on their message and that is a major no-no you know, according to Paul in the book of Galatians right there at the beginning, uh, verses six through nine in, in chapter one, it says, you know, if, if we or an angel from heaven bring any other gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. And then Paul goes as far as to say it a second time. That's how much he stresses it. And again, this is not just Paul. This is Paul via the Holy or I rather the Holy Spirit via Paul. OK, so. This is a big deal. You just simply don't do that. Uh, so you're 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 okay. so correct. And, and and can I add one more reason? The the presumption of someone sure. like James White is look, if we bring him into a church, which by the way we proved since the making the, this interfaith dialogue specifically, specifically with James White happened in January of this year, we have proved that since January. Neither did he refute uh, Yasser Qadi in the moment in the church when Yasser Qadi spoke of the fact that Jesus wasn't crucified and he's coming back as a prophet and all, all these deceptions and denials of Christianity. He didn't uh, uh, correct them the next night when they had a debate in the mosque in, in, in the, the Islamic center where Mr. Qadi goes and, and is, is a imam. Nor subsequently, with all these attention and radio shows and, and, and what's come. He never did a, you know, he never did a, did a show on his radio uh, because he has a radio show. He, he, he never did it on his YouTube channel, which he has a YouTube channel, and come out and say, you know, I had this dialogue with Yasser Qadi. Let me correct where he was wrong. Let me tell you where he is absolutely dead wrong on point one, point two, point three, point four. Now, I still believe that he was an error of bringing him into the church and in front of Christians. But even if we put that aside for a minute, at least if he had corrected it, then we we could at least have a conversation. We could have said, yeah, okay, he at least made an effort to rebuke it and correct it. 
Uh, no, none of that has happened. And in fact, he's attacked us. He has come after us. Uh, and, and, and even with Robert Spencer, when he had the debate last week with Robert Spencer on Michael Brown's show, and, and, and I listened to that debate, and, 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 and uh, I don't know if there's a way of you even maybe, Michael, linking that debate, like linking the, the, you know, the, um, the URL or whatever for the second. It was the second hour of the show. Uh, so people can listen for themselves. I can do that. Robert Spencer cleaned house. I mean, there was not even a contest. And, 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 and yet James White was being presented as an expert on Islam. And even in that, he did not in any way. He, was, he continues to defend this guy, Yasser Qadi. He continues to defend Islam. So you're absolutely right. But, but, but here's the, the, the final point I was going to say. The presumption of these people is, oh, well, you know what? If, even if we bring them into a church, the Christians in our church are, are, are so well-versed that they're not going to fall for this stuff. <laughs> and that's where the error is right there. That's where they're dead wrong. Because every statistic is showing that the worldview of, of, of the majority of Christians in this country are wrong. It's not biblical. That, 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 I don't know if I mentioned, but I think I mentioned at the beginning, that somewhere between only 12 and 17% of professing Christians even have a biblical worldview. They're very confused on the subject of Islam. And the majority of Christians are going to fall for it. That's, so, so not only, not only is James White engaging in sinful behavior by violating Scripture for himself, he's also violating another aspect of Scripture. Because are we not warned in the New Testament about bringing false teachers in, number one? And number two, then what did Jesus mm -hmm. say? That it is better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into a river or lake <clears throat> rather than deceive one of his children. So how Ooh. dare we bring somebody in when we have Christians who maybe are in different parts of their faith, some are more mature, some are very immature, some are still surface, and we expose them to deception on purpose, on purpose. And then James White says, well, you know, how, mm -hmm. am I, how else am I supposed to reach these Muslims? Listen, if you get an invitation to go into the mosque or I get an invitation to go into the mosque and preach the gospel, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. That's right. I may not. It won't happen. But it won't right happen on. because they know what I'm going to say. Like, I'll, I will take that. And, and I may not come back alive, but I will take it. So that's not the issue. Mr. White, if they invite you into the mosques, go and preach the gospel. Power to you. Lord bless you. Go. But you don't bring them into the flock. You don't, you don't say, Mr. Cotty, would you make a video so the Christian community can hear from you? Mr. Cotty, would you uh, thank you for being my mentor on these meetings? Uh, Mr. Cotty, uh, I sense a kindred spirit within. Who says that about somebody that's following an antichrist spirit? I, I, I went last weekend. I was speaking at a church down in California, and I got up before the pastor, who was also following the stuff about James White, and he follows Brandon and so forth and so on. And 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 uh, and, and, and uh, the pastor spoke, and I got up there and I said, I'm so blessed to be in this church. This is a remnant church. This is a church standing here uh, in the middle of you know a liberal California. They're standing strong. And I said, your pastor and I have a kindred spirit. That's the kindred spirit. Michael, you and I have a kindred spirit. Mm. That's the kindred, because we are both brothers in Christ. 
We are believers. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We are sensing that the Spirit is in agreement between us. That's a kindred spirit. I wouldn't say to a Nazi or a Satanist, I have a kindred spirit with you. Why is it different with a Muslim? If they are following an Antichrist spirit, why is it different? And that shows you the level of deception. But I would say, woe to Mr. White. Better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and go throw yourself into a river or a lake than deceive one of God's people. And that's what they're doing, Michael. You know, yeah. And it's a scary thing. I mean, even if you were to to do something like that in a church that was 100% armed to the teeth with with a Christian worldview. I mean, 100%, everybody there has got it together. What about that one person that happened to visit that? There you go. You know, what about the people in the community who just hear that happened and now they're confused? There you go. And and what about the... It's just just a dangerous thing. And and one one other aspect, what about the Muslims? The Muslims who came with Yasser Qadi into the church, who sat there in a church... Probably, probably for many of them, the first time they've ever entered into a church building. And they sat there and they watched their imam talk about Islam and deny Christianity. And James White doesn't refute it. And in fact, at one point, encourages Christians to collapse for Yasser Qadi. And what about those Muslims who, who are sitting there going, well, you know what? Uh, Allah is right. The, the Quran is right. The Bible is corrupt. Because look, he doesn't refute it. He, he doesn't... He, he doesn't uh, say anything negative. So the, the, the Bible is wrong. The, the Quran is right. Um, Jesus is not God. These Christians are believing in a lie, and we Muslims are correct. So, so like you said, the, 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 the one person that could be there that is lukewarm, the one person that could be there who is maybe actually earnestly seeking Christ is going to get confused. And as I said again, you're not presenting the gospel to these Muslims. You're presenting a compromised gospel. And I just taught last Sunday from the book of uh, Colossians and and uh, Philippians as well. I was going through, actually, I went through Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, um, which is why my message went over an hour. But <laughs> that's a side 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 point there. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I was I was in in the book of, of Philippians. Paul very specifically says that yes, there are those who even preach the gospel with impure motives. But you know what's amazing about our God? That the God of the Bible can even use, even use impure motives if the gospel is preached properly. Because because guess what? It's not your word or my word, it's his word. And his word will not return null and void. His word has power. So, So, you know, if we preach with bad motives, God can still use it. But... If we preach with good motives, but we preach the wrong gospel, guess what? God can't use it. Because he, he, if God blesses a compromised gospel, a false gospel, how many times are we warned in the New Testament about not bringing another gospel, as you just read from Galatians? Even if the angels bring to you mm-hmm. another gospel, a curse be they. So, so when you go and you present a false gospel, uh, or, or interfaith dialogue or ecumenical message, you're basically saying, and I believe denying ultimately the power of God because you're not relying on the power to do its job. Paul says in, in Romans 9.33, the gospel is a rock of offense. And Michael, in my own testimony, when the gospel was shared with me, the true gospel, 
who Jesus is, why he was crucified, why he was resurrected, his claims about being God, his claims about being Messiah, so forth and so on, that I'm sinful and that I've sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of those things, can I tell you that it offended me? Can I tell you that it was hard? To, even as a lukewarm cultural Muslim, I still knew what Islam teaches and I still knew what Christianity to some extent believes. It, it was hard for me to hear. But can I tell you, praise God, that the person who shared that gospel with me did not let that stop them when I told them this is offensive. It didn't, it didn't stop them. They pressed in. They prayed for me. They continued to share truth. And I kept, can I tell you that it was that gospel that pierced my heart. It was that gospel that ripped my heart open and brought me to a point where I will surrender, bow my knee, confess with my tongue that Jesus is Lord and he is the only way of salvation. That gospel, that's the power, the power of the gospel. And that's what young people need to understand. That's what this next generation needs to understand. A, a compromised message denies the power of God. The only way that we're going to change our world and, and change our nation and, and, and bring people into the kingdom is by us trusting the power of the gospel, of the word of God. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not anybody's. It belongs to him. Jesus is the word. And so that's my final encouragement, I guess, is that, is that I, I, and I'll say it this way. If there are people listening to this podcast who say, look, I have Muslim friends. I have Muslim neighbors. Great. If God has brought these people into your life, pray for them. Share your testimony with them. You can never go wrong by sharing your testimony. Uh, ask them if you can pray for them in the name of Jesus Christ, specifically, because I've talked to many Muslims, and Muslims don't believe that they can just ask for prayer. They don't believe that Allah hears their daily prayers. Uh, they have to recite prayers. So when I say, you know, we believe that God hears our prayers if we pray righteously, can I pray for you? What's going on in your life that I can pray for you that has power? And, and I and many others have witnessed, as I'm praying for a Muslim, tears coming down their, their, their face. And my own mom, who I've witnessed to, and I'm still praying for her salvation, I have asked her, I prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ, and I, I opened my eyes after I'm done praying, and she's crying. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And number three, we got to share Christ who Jesus is, knowing that it's going to upset them, knowing that they're not going to be able to at first receive it, but trust in the power of God. So that, that I'll stop there and just kind of turn it back to you. But that's, I, I encourage them, don't believe this lie that the only way you can reach Muslims is to have interfaith dialogue and to affirm what they believe is correct. You know, say, okay, I understand you believe this, and we believe this. And here's what I say to Muslims. I respect you enough, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's respect. That's love. Amen. Not, I respect you enough to never debate you. I respect you enough to never correct you. Is that love? No, that's not love. And no. Amen. Yeah. Guys, again, this was Sharam Hadian. His website is... Uh, tillproject.com till is t-i-l as in truth in love project.com and 
on his website he's got a lot of good information he's got resources he's got links to order his uh, DVDs which I own <laughs> when I when I saw Sharam speak at the uh, latest uh, Ozarks uh, worldview weekend conference I think I bought almost everything at the table um, he's got a book on Sharia law which uh, is not actually written by Sharam but it is awesome he's got many DVDs uh, all of which uh, are amazing really good information avail yourself of those and uh, Sharam it has been a pleasure to have you on an honor and I'm hoping to have you on again I'd love to talk to you about Sharia um, as, as well as a few other things that we can talk about offline but uh, it, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming Michael, on. Michael, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, and and uh, uh, thank you for just, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving a chance to promote the materials and, and so forth. All of it is, all of it is honestly, uh, is, is for the truth to get out and for the glory of God and, and for uh, for the equipping of the church and saints. So, again, it's a blessing. Look forward to being on with you again. We'd love to talk about specifics of Sharia and, 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 you know, how it's impacting our nation. So hopefully another program, but thank you. And it's a blessing and an honor. Okay. That was Sharam Hadian. Again, friends, his website is tillproject.com. That's T-I-L, like truth and love, project.com. Again, guys, this is not about hate, okay? And I know uh, this is kind of beating a dead horse for most of my listeners, but there's nothing here about hating Muslims or this is not Islamophobia, okay? This is a ministry that is devoted towards witnessing to Muslims as well as educating Christians about what the Quran actually teaches, about what the Hadith actually teaches, okay? What did Muhammad live out in his life, okay? This is not about the question of whether or not there are moderate Muslims. Sure, there's moderate Muslims, but that would be not following the the true faith as taught and lived by Muhammad. We got to be real here, friends. We can't just be uh, loving everybody and hugging everybody and seeing kumbaya. We also need to protect life. And in protecting life, that means understanding the threat, okay? Understanding what is going on, understanding that worldview, and hopefully learning how to witness as well as protect ourselves. Amen? Okay, so uh, I'm hoping to have Sharam back on here in a few weeks. I want to talk to him about some other interesting topics. Uh, the next podcast, I'm hoping to be speaking with a pastor on the subject of the Emergent Church. Be looking forward to that. And so with that, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Sing it out loud.